Welcome to the Coaching Family Soccer Coaching Podcast. A podcast for soccer coaches from grassroots to the pro game. Soccer coaches who love the game, love coaching and want to get better. Join our community on Twitter at Coaching Family. So guys, welcome back to another Coaching Family Soccer Coaching Podcast, the coach for soccer coaches all around the world at all levels. Um, and today we're talking about communication. So another interesting theme. And uh, as always, my, my trusted colleague here, Glenn Hicks, joins us. How are you doing, Glenn? Good, thanks, mate. Doing very, very well. Looking forward to this one. Could yeah. go anywhere, this one. Exactly. That's what I often do. And listen, um, like I said, got any ideas for shows or ideas for guests, um, please let us know. And, we, and thanks again for all the feedback on, on socials we're getting. And if you are enjoying the show, please do leave a review. It really does help out. But uh, thanks very much. And let's, let's crack on then. So go on then, Mr. Hicks. What do you reckon about this one, communication? Um, the, st- the starting point would be, Saul, I think it's if we had to pick the top three most important tools for a coach, um, it's definitely in a top three. And I'm not like the longer I've been coaching, the more I believe that as well. So the importance of our communication as coaches uh, during sessions, before, after, you know, and our interactions with all of the people we work with from our employers to the young people we're trying to teach the game of football to the parents of those people. It is no doubt the, top two or three skills that we need to be developing consciously as as coaches including languages speaking different languages um so yeah it's that would be the starting point to say coaches if you're not working on it you should be and you should be spending a hell of a lot of your time really consciously and mindfully working at your communication so that would be the starting point for me it's interesting isn't it because you think um you know if i think back to to my coaching courses i can't really remember that much in terms of you know, communication. I mean, I remember this stuff I did in the advanced use around that, but I mean, you know, generally practically it's more about, you know, how you're delivering, I suppose, you know, if you're talking about stop, stand still, or, you know, how you, you know, how you're doing your, your, um, your interventions. Um, but so, I mean, I remember some Tim Bradbury, who's obviously I talk about a lot, one of my, you know, important mentors in my career, talking about the importance of, you know, delivery and communication and personality, obviously, you know, particularly with the youngest age groups, you know, having that, you know, uh, excuse the word again personality to deliver and you know be enigmatic and really cap you know create like a captive audience is so important and I was just talking to one of the partner clubs the other day you know one of my personal football coach club partners the other day and they were talking about you know session design and stuff and he said you know he watches a lot of the session he goes he asked me how he goes he actually noticed in my sessions how when he watches them on the coaches pass how do I manage to you know seem to keep the players so engaged and I think that's mm. that's it's so that's that's so much part of it is your personality in terms of, you know, I always say in my sessions, you know, I want them coming out after an hour or whatever, or two hours going, wow, what an experience that was, you know, and that was really, that's really about, you know, tempo and intensity and where you deliver and, you know, obviously about, you know, how you tweak your sessions, but so much is about how you're, you know, engaging the players and, and keeping them, you know, captivated and, and, you know, on tender hooks almost, you know, trying to, you know, I think it's such an important thing. And so much of that really is, 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 comes down to a lot about coaches again personality or maybe like their natural ability to to do that yeah definitely any individual personality thing is important for us coaches as well so because some people are quite garrulous and chatty and and uh, i've been told i talk far too much sometimes and quite often actually (laughs) quite often and you know i used to be a bit insecure about that sort but i'm not because i think as as we're getting older i think we're probably a bit more selective with our words i probably used to waffle a lot more than i do now i hope so anyway and i hope that in 20 years time i'm probably a bit more concise with my own words but you come across coaches as well and we come across players that I've got a couple of young people I'm working with at the moment, so where they're almost, you've almost got mutism. They're almost like they don't say anything. Their football does their talking for them, but they don't say much. And, and when you come across young people like that, that are probably a bit more introverted and they don't say much, to even just engage and have a conversation takes a hell of a lot of skill of knowing what to say, how to say it. Because, because what you don't want to do as well is you don't want to force people to talk. There's nothing worse than being told, go on stage and present in front of people. And you don't really want to do that if that's not your nature. So it's... We've got to be, I think when it comes to communication, we've got to really be sensitive to individualise it and have 
have real manageable expectations for each individual because some children do love to talk. Like I said, they're naturally extrovert and they will dominate a lot of conversation. And sometimes you will have to say, okay, Sam, um, can we let um, little Jenna over there or Joey have a, have a word in here as well? Or you have to provoke that out of people. Okay. So what's your opinion? Um, and there's a lot, there's a lot of thought. The more you look at it, there's a lot of thought and skill that goes into it. So in terms of, because at the end of the communication is about relationships, isn't it? And, you know, whether we're trying to build a relationship with our players or like I say, with our parents or even at home with the wife, you know, we've all been there where we've said things, oh, probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I'm in the doghouse or vice versa. And, you know, when there's emotions attached, when you've got children that love the game of football and, and want to be at your session or, you know, hopefully, you know, we love our wives, they love us. And, you know, sometimes we say the wrong things at the wrong time. So I just think, um, it's it's just a massive part of of everything that we do in coaching. If we're talking about building relationships, <clears throat> yeah, because because us, you know, you got got you got the coaching communication, then you got co- communication between the players. I mean, you mentioned an interesting thing there about you know getting being uncomfortable in public speaking. I used to have a massive phobia about public speaking. I could deliver a session and didn't really care and do that, but if I had to get up in front of a group of you know peers or anyone else and ter- parents or you know in courses, I used to get really you know panicking, even as a Know, as a former teacher and I have a real phobia and then I, was, I, I sort of had to say to myself look this if you want to be you know you know at the top of your game or you know a leader in this field you've got to get over this phobia and my thing was like I challenged myself to to do it and take every opportunity to communicate front you know get up in class and then every time you know I was asked to speak or go to a convention or in a, in a group setting or in a, on a course I'd actually say right I want to do it because put myself in that situation mm-hmm. for the experience I hated it and then I just mm. become more and more accustomed to it and more, you know, like anything, the more experience you have doing it, the more you become, you know, relaxed and doing it. And I speak a lot of people that say the same, oh, I hate public speaking. I say, look, you know, I was to, and people say, what are you? And like, you know, I go and do conferences now and talk in front of 100 or 200 people or do mm. sessions and stuff like that. It's just like anything, it's practice, isn't it? I'm not natural orator, and I'm not naturally, I, I used to hate it, but then you just you say, right, just do it. You get enough experience, you just do it, you do it. <clears throat> anyway, so... <clears throat> excuse me what i'm trying to get around to saying is that it's just interesting that you sort of you challenge yourself and i think that about players as well almost isn't it so you know i remember my first experiences at tottenham in the academy going to see those sessions and going wow one of my biggest takeaways was obviously not just about the intensity of the session was just how much the players spoke and you know talked to each other say yeah come on well done good effort oh, you know just the, the general the general you know chat amongst the players in terms of motivating each other supporting each other challenging each other and I was like wow and you could obviously tell that was a that was a that was um you know an intentional outcome which we tried to get and you see that in most academy environments so that's what you're talking about those players that how do we challenge them you know it's when I'm working with coaches as well you challenge them say you got to do it you got to come out of your comfort zone so for example again I'm here in Thailand you know I'm working with Thai players a lot lucky to work with some top players in the MDEM team and, you know, don't speak a word of English, but they don't talk either very much mm. culturally. I think here, you know, there's not a lot of chat. A few players do to try and support the players to talk. And I said to him, send us, said to him last night, say, look, you know, you want to play top level football. You've got to learn how to talk to each other. You know, you've got to learn how to do it and, you know, communicate even simple things like set here. This is where I want it. You know, you want to train a session to be one of the quietest sessions you've ever seen. So mm. I think it's really important to think about how do we, how do we, you know, develop ourselves to communicate with and also thinking about right our players how do we develop those guys to to be talkers as well and try and develop those you know leadership qualities if you like or just you know qualities of people who've been able to you know impose yourself in any situation yeah so I, th- I think a few things there um the whole experience thing so as well i think coaches um i've got to understand as well so i'm not i'm not i'm very similar to you so i'm not naturally comfortable in talking in front of big audiences and when people see me talk to parents you know uh, uh, recruitment days and whatever else i'm pretty comfortable with it now but i've been doing it a long long time at world practice but as a young child you know i used to hang on my mum's leg and i was quite shy in social um situations and probably i'm still quite socially awkward to be honest with you i'm not a natural extrovert so coaches got to understand as well it's not it's not so much if you have a certain personality, I think it's it's still a skill that can be developed and how you do that is up to you. Do you know what I mean? If you are front and centre stage. But one thing I would say so about, because there's different things we've got to be communicating, isn't there? You know, we've got to try and communicate our game to the players. So the stuff you said about Spurs a minute ago, so, you know, one thing that I think is tremendous when you, when you start producing players is there's, in terms of communication, there's a consistency with football terminology 
when, when you're at a place like Spurs. And if you go to Chelsea, you'll, you'll hear a lot of the same words being said and hopefully there's a consistency of the philosophy coming out. So, And that's about getting the technical and the tactical football idea across. One of the, one of the big things with communication, so which all coaches would have experienced, I think is, and I, and I think it comes down to experience and just doing it, is when you're challenging behaviour and when you're trying to, develop group behaviour and a consistent way of behaving amongst all coaches and amongst all players. So anyone that's running a grassroots club, not just a team, to be able to get all of your coaches to behave in the correct manner or the same way or a similar way on a Sunday, for example, is very difficult. You know, we just had a, a seven-a-side festival the other day and we deliberately put some little technical areas out. So, and, you know, I thought I was very clear in saying, okay, guys, you know, I know it's going to be a competitive tournament. Can you try and stay in the technical areas? And before you know it, three or four games in, the coach is playing right and left wing again <laughs> for their team and, you know, getting a, getting a bit carried away with ourselves. So the messages that, that we're giving out in terms of behaviour, I think, are some of the hardest things to communicate at times because sometimes people don't want to get confrontational and, and they don't want to challenge or sometimes don't know how to challenge um, poor behaviour or challenging behaviour. Do you know what I mean? So there's different forms of communication because yeah, I mean, you talk a couple of things there and you're really talking about culture aren't you you know trying to create a culture amongst the players amongst the coaches you know this is the culture this is our methodology this is the philosophy as you say you know i remember that's going back to spurs again and richard allen talked about you know and we and chris talked about it as well chris ramsey you know when they first went into spurs it was such a culture shock for all the coaches what they were doing such a an unconventional way of coaching in terms of what English coaches were used to doing, all the ball mastery, individual possession and that sort of thing. They had a saying which was which was fit for, you know, fit in or F off basically mm. to the coaches. You know, you've got to adapt, you know, you, you know, adapt or die basically in that reality. This is the way it is and it's not it's not non-negotiables, isn't it? So this is the way and Chris even said as well, I've been, you know, chatting to Chris when he's in QPR, it's the same thing, you know, you still have people who are resistant to change and difference because they're not used to it. But it's about, you know, you either you either do it or you don't do it, you know, and everyone's got to be on the same, same page, isn't it? And essentially, you said about language there as well. I remember that, you know, we always, you know, when I was coaching Spurs, nines and elevens or eights, whatever, always talked about balance, 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 balance. You know, it's a big word for us because we didn't really work on defending enough. We just said balance in terms of right head up. Have we got balance on the pitch? It means height, width and depth and stuff in terms of in possession, out possession. You know, are we, you know, we're not overloaded at the back. You know, we've got players at the back. And I took that word to Chelsea with me and, and Chelsea obviously had different language. And I was using some of the Spurs, the Spurs language, you know, like, oh, that's interesting. You know, they, they took on balance and, you know, and I, I learned lots from them. And it's interesting because you come from one culture where you do have all these, these norms, you know, and the language norms. And you go to another one where things are slightly different and you just, it does take time to adapt. But it's just, like I say, it's really interesting, isn't it? Having that, trying to create like any, any, any club, you need to create that culture where, you know, everyone... Definitely. That's a, that's a big word there. So when you're talking about communication, because I read a fantastic book once by um, a, a lady called Erin Meyer, and it's called The Culture Map. And so I was blown away, to be honest. It's one that I'm probably going to go back to and read again, because it is a more of a business end book. But again, if you're getting, if you're trying to get a team of people to be the best function in business, you know, the, the leaders and whoever the people are that are trying to drive it, there'll be a consistency in language. So if you go to Google, they'll be talking certain things and there'll be certain expectations. If you go to... Samsung or you go to Tottenham Hotspur Football Club or Chelsea Football Club, hopefully if they're doing things right, or even if I'm honest, you go to a grassroots club, some of the best grassroots clubs I've seen sort of producing some amazing players in terms of not just for professional football, but go on to play a great level of semi-pro or just have incredibly well-behaved and functioning football teams across their whole. There is, you know, there is a culture created. There is a culture. There is an identity. There is a consistency with the way that coaches are interacting with the children. You know, one thing I could say about some of the best grassroots clubs, there's there's a balance of being friendly and welcoming, you know, that public service thing, you know, open your doors and make sure people have a great experience and be friendly and welcoming. But then, like you say, there's, especially when you've got strong leaders, there's a consistency with, now hang on a minute, that's not what we do. This is how we let children speak to each other. This is how we speak to our children. Can we kind of be consistent with that as well? So the whole culture thing is fascinating. And sometimes when you speak to children from different cultures, so when we talk, especially to children, the biggest thing that goes hand in hand with our own communication sort is observation. I think that would be on the same level. What? So when we say something to a child, we've got to be really observant. We've got to watch and listen for one, their emotional reaction, and two, their response. Because if you say to one thing to a child from a certain culture, um, 
you know, who might have a really strict domineering parent that might look like me in terms of being a big guy, a big presence, um, you know, that children, that child might respond in a different way to a child that's, you know, I don't know, maybe more liberal parents to allow them to express themselves, even if they say something a little bit controversial or go against what the coach is saying in a respectful way. So the whole culture thing's massive there. So I think it's probably a good, good part to talk about in this a, a little bit more. Yeah, I noticed that definitely here in Thailand and some of the other cultures I've worked at in Asia, whereas necessarily you have to, you know, whereas maybe as you get in, you get to know a group before you can get into them a little bit more, if that makes sense. You know, you're not being horrible, but say, come on, lads, come on. You need more here. Do you know what I mean? That sort of thing, you know, come on, it's not good enough. That's some things. And you've got to be a bit careful here because maybe, you know, culturally it doesn't go down as well or as easy as it would do um, back home. But yeah, I think it's the same thing, isn't it? It's about... It's, culture is so important and having like it's just feeling like you know um you know having standards isn't it something you know for me as well so like i say my sessions is like you know work hard we have fun but you know you, you got you know if you're not if you're not bringing it if you're not if you're not bringing the necessary quality or necessary intensity or you're not serious you're not focused then i'm going to tell you do you know what i mean i'm not yeah. going to mess about i'll say look mate you can go sit over there or you know yeah. if, you wanna, if you don't want if you're not doing it this is the level do you know what I mean? Don't, you're wasting my time, wasting your time. And I think that's really important as well, particularly with, you know, you're moving up the older age and any age group in an academy environment. You know, if anyone's not on it or anyone's not focused or they're not in that zone, <clears throat> they got to be able to tell you, you know, this is, this is, you're not, you know, this is not the level to doing it. You know, you know, this, this isn't good enough. And I've always been, you know, it's not about just being strict. I think it's just been about having, just about having boundaries, having standards, do you know what I mean? And telling players. So, you know, if you're not engaged, well, look, and also, look, it's different, like, you know, if you were doing a session and, you know, you've got to look inward as well and be, you know, um, reflective, you know, maybe my session there was letting the players not be engaged and I wasn't focused and you know, I was giving them the opportunity. That's why we always talk about, you know, the ball rolling time and structuring the session. So everyone is, you know, has got the opportunity to be bored. But if someone's, you know, for example, messing about, you know, or talking about, you know, you've got to, for me, just got to, you know, get into, get into them and say, look, this is the level. Do you know what I mean? That's my, you know, that's unacceptable and you either fit for in it you know you're gonna, you're gonna you're gonna play play this play this way or go in it yeah and and so in terms of like so i would say so myself but i can only speak for myself and i don't want to generalize other people but i would say in the first five to ten years of coaching i think i used to say things a lot in training and the players wouldn't understand or the message might not have got across and as an inexperienced coach my natural emotional reaction myself was to be frustrated with the players but you know now that i've been coaching a long long time and you know that, that book, for example, with Erin Meyer, she speaks a lot about explicit communication and implicit. So, and again, in different cultures, so if you go to Holland, people are very explicit, you know, straight talking, this is what I believe, I'm going to say it to you with conviction and clarity and confidence. And then sometimes, you know, she speaks a bit about sometimes when she had to adapt to, to seeing the Japanese business model, for example, now sometimes they would just say something and you're expected to pick it up. I'm implying something here and it's your job to pick the message up. Now, if you don't understand things in that culture, you you know, I, I believe, I think it's quite refreshing when I've ever coached a young Dutch person or a young Portuguese kid, because Again, I don't want to generalise, and please don't think I'm not stereotyping, but there are some general things that come out. So a lot of young Portuguese children I've spoken to, they speak in football terms with, with real conviction. And sometimes, you know, it takes you back at first coming from an English culture of, you know, we talk at the players a lot generally in England, I believe. And I like these strong opinions that come from these young Dutch and young Portuguese players, and they're quite challenging of your opinion sometimes. And I think... Knowing when you've got to be explicit, like you said there, so when it becomes to behaviour, there is no grey areas with a lot of this stuff. And you've got to, in no uncertain terms, tell children or young people, that's not acceptable. This is the line. You know, that stuff there is intolerable. And one thing I would say without about communication is um, we've got to be careful. You know, I'm talking in terms of behaviour is my, my advice to coaches would be when you're challenging behaviour and you're trying to correct stuff, um, Try and try and detach the child from the behavior because some of some of the big things I picked up personally saw you spoke about being a teacher earlier. And I think most of my learning when it came to communication and still is now, by the way, was was when I was early on coaching. And, and I was lucky enough, really privileged enough to work in a lot of nursery schools with three and four year olds. And, I, and at first I thought, well, I'm out of my depth. Like, how do you how do you teach young children the basics of working with a football? But the more I watched nursery nurse teachers and, and experts with three, four, five and six year olds, 
the biggest thing I learned from them is the way they speak to children. It's like that program, you know, Super Nanny, um, Joe Frost. She's an expert communicator with children. And I wasn't picking up coaching or football from them, but the way they were speaking to children, they was explicit at the correct time. Like in no uncertain terms, they was quite cutting with the way they told children that's not acceptable. And then at times they was, you know, there were sometimes they had to imply things or they had to ask questions saying, is that acceptable behavior? Do you know what I mean? To see the understanding, but learning from teachers and, and, and other people outside of the football industry, I think is one of the best things we can do as football coaches to, in terms of communicating with children and getting our messages across, because I think there's a lot that that we've got to learn. And I know I've learned a hell of a lot the last 10 years as well. So. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a great term I learned when I did my teacher training. It was, uh, it was, you know, consistency over severity. Do you know what I mean? In terms of when you're dealing with behavior, that sort of thing. So it's not just, you know, and I, you know, we were talking, I was just talking a minute ago about being, about being strict and being, having standards. I'm not talking about, you know, bollocking players or, you know, get, you know, shouting and being loud. I'm saying, well, look, listen, it's not like, this is like, you know, this is what we're doing. Do you want to do it or do you not want to do it? You know, I'm not shouting on that sort of thing. It's about mm-hmm. having the standards and it's about how you communicate that again. So you don't have to be the one, you know, not talking about, you don't have to give someone the hair dry treatment to them, for them to know that you're not, you know, you're, they've dropped their standards have dropped them below the, you know, where they should be. I think that's really important. And also then, you know, you know, I said, you talk about young, young players. Well, I mean, I remember, you know, working, you know, doing, again, working under Tim Bradbury in America when I first, you know, earned my coaching stripes there a couple of years, you know, working with five and six year olds and thinking about my communication with those five, six, seven year olds and then having to be, you know, doing like adventure soccer, as they call it, which is great, you know, telling stories around mm. the soccer. That was the how you communicated. That's how you got the players engaged and got them dribbling, you know, we were dribbling and running away from the giant, you know, it was scary, you know, but I would get into the castle to get the treasure, blah, 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 you know, using those sorts of things to do it, but also having boundaries saying, well, hang on, you know, Stay on, stay on the pitch, don't run away, those sorts of things, like you say, being, knowing when to be explicit to control the, you know, health and safety, basically. So that's really yeah. interesting as well, isn't it? And I mean, you talked about, you know, for example, then, you know, you mentioned it briefly about questions. What about, you know, in, in your session? You know, there's about, you know, what's, you know, communicating in your sessions. I mean, you always, you know, the old cliche, I suppose, isn't it, about coaching styles, or your, you know, your, your, guide, your coach command style, or your coach, you know, your guide is discovery, you know, how do you use your questioning? What's, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's interesting. So what we spoke about right at the beginning, there, all about on our coaching courses, you know, again, we learned a bit about leadership in terms of um, laissez-faire command and all the other styles and stuff. And then transformational leadership, transactional leadership. You know, there's so many, there's, there's, there seems to be new ones being unearthed as well. But if leadership really is just trying to, trying to get the best out of a group of people and yourself first and foremost, right? So for me, the best leaders get the best from people. And when you look at them in terms of, this is why I said it's in the top three. So when you look at, I know we go to top end all the time, but an Alex Ferguson, you know, sounds like he knew what to say, when to say it, how to say it. And, you know, I'm all for the hairdryer treatment, by the way. So, because I think even with our own children, you'll know, you know, children push your buttons and, mm. you know, there's three ways we interact. You know, you've got your, your head brain, you know, logically, sometimes you can rationally as a parent and as a coach say to a young child now, stop, you know, we can be rational, but sometimes there's emotion involved and we respond mm. with our heart. You know, we go with our emotional intelligence and sometimes that lets us down. And that's something we have to understand as coaches. And I'll be honest, you know, I've raised my voice at my daughter before and probably spoke inappropriately at times. And I've, I've gone back and had to apologize. And I've definitely done that as a coach. I've definitely probably said something out of terms and I've gone home and consciously said to myself, now, Glenn, do you know what? You was a bit too harsh on that young kid. But you know what? Mm-hmm. I've either contacted the parent or gone back the next day and I've tried to repair it and said, look, how did you take that message? And I think that's important as well with being mindful of, you know, when you left the message, when you said something to a child to correct technique or correct the game or you want it to be a bit more demanding because we have to push our players. So children like you being demanding, I believe, you know, especially when it comes to the consistency of behaviour. Children want to know where their lines are. But sometimes, you know, we do emotionally you know your head and your heart is always involved especially when you're so passionate about developing children and your own children at home as well mm. sometimes we get it wrong but again i think it's about being mindful um to, to know when to so in terms of style so you know there's the whole command when do you ask questions and when do you give explicit instructions i think that's that's a key one in coaching and so out there so where you are in touch does your coaching change because they don't speak English as much, you know, in terms of giving clear instructions and sometimes you might be able to ask more questions over here, 
So is it, is your coaching out there affected by that as well in terms of asking questions and giving instructions? Yeah, 100% because you just can't communicate that effectively. And also you, you, you ask a question, you know, you get one of the boys to translate and no one like is interested in answering it. Right. <laughs> like they'll, yeah. they, whether they don't understand that they don't want to put their hand up and say, yeah, well, I'll, I'll have a go at that question. Do you know what I mean? So it's a real, you know, struggle to coach them out of them to coax their communication out of them even though you're saying okay give me an answer so anybody or you know who wants to anyone want to lead this who's going to demo for me so yeah definitely yeah. you know it's definitely in, in you know questioning is important isn't it in terms of the way we frame a question yeah massively it's a skill, and, isn't yeah it? and also like you say you know and we all know so you know people say what, what sort of coaching styles you're going to use every coaching style aren't you you're going to sometimes Absolutely. there needs to be commands sometimes be guided discovery you know, sometimes we need to be questions. Sometimes you don't need questions. Sometimes you need to be a bit more direct, like say explicit, mm. lead the players. My thing is real, like, you know, I, I think as well, they just getting to talk about the basic part of communication is the voice. And like in my coach, particularly if I'm working individually with players, people go on to quit. Why are you shouting? Why are you shouting at skills? And why, why, why are you talking all the time? Because I, I think the voice is a real powerful tool, particularly when you work in an environment where it's just you and one player and there's not that, you know, as a, almost part of some contextual interference so putting the player on a bit of pressure with my voice you know getting into them a little bit come on you're challenging challenging them talking to them a little bit you know saying the skills putting them because it actually does add intensity to the session it adds a little bit of pressure on the player to you know get into them always you're talking to them to get him to do that which i wouldn't necessarily do in a team session i'd probably talk you know, not as much but i'm still trying to get into them but i think that just the general use of the word of your voice is such a powerful tool to, to you know increase the tempo increase energy increase intensity and it's just about obviously knowing when and when to do it and obviously not just talking and you know just talking you know verbal yeah. derivative like being, being like you know a music in the background but i think that's real you know and then people and people you know i've coaches done it have criticized me on me so saying you know why are you always talking with players because i think it is a real positive it can have a real positive impact in what, when you deliver and even to people say that in my sessions you know it's about you know it's, it's a bit tricky out here one because of that, the, the language barrier. Also, two because of the heat. Because I always want such a high intensity to my sessions. But again, if I'm working in group sessions, I'm talking to the players and talking, getting put on a little bit. You know, knowing when to do it and when not to do it. And you know, a little word in the year. Or oh, come on, can you do better? Or oh, come on. It's such a. I think that's a massively underappreciated uh, area of the general communication in terms of how how impactful a voice can do. And, and look, there's, a, there's definitely a balance. You know, when I'm in a game. If it's a game environment, you know, it's always go back to what the Chelsea policy is. I loved it, you know, never talk to an attacker in possession, never talk to a defender out of possession, you know. So, and, it, and also less is more. Also, you know, in a game situation, I'm hardly ever talking. Okay, little Short bit here. Words. Okay, Trigger balance, yeah. little, very much because they concentrate on the mm. game. But the training environment is different. Do you know what I mean? Particularly for an individual. Mm. And then, you know, so it's about, you know, so it's about, like I say, and as you become more experienced, you understand when and where to communicate, when to be quiet. You know, that's the other thing, isn't yeah. it? being quiet can be a real real powerful uh, communication as well absolutely so if we if we take communication is a, is a two-way thing and ultimately it's about connecting it's about it's like a good phone call isn't it? i've been in one of them terrible phone calls where it cuts off at one and then it cuts off the other it's about connecting do you know what i mean and and if it's about if we accept it's about connecting first of all it's about connecting our message so what's the concept what are we trying to get across here is it a behavioral thing or is it a game of football thing you know tactical or technical what's the content what's the exact content do we understand it enough because if we're trying to teach a young person how to kick a ball properly well if we don't understand the the technical concepts and components enough we're not going to be able to explain it short and sharp and concise and well and then what's the context so if we're trying to challenge behavior what's the context as as the young child lost his behavior in the emotion of a game because if they have be a bit forgiving understand as long as they haven't affected anyone's safety respect or learning and thrown any punches and they've gone in their own little world of a temper tantrum sometimes you know we have to let children express that because this is one thing i've got with um, expression and communication toys i think this is a cultural thing in football as well children are allowed to express themselves until they display bad behavior now or what's perceived as bad behavior or a tantrum and emotion children have to get emotions out sometimes and i'm not going to go like extreme liberal let kids throw toys around and oh it's okay he's expressing himself. i'm not i'm not saying that but you know part of a child's communication is letting you know that they're upset so we had a young man in goal the other day in this little seven aside tournament i said so he 
you know, he's a new young lad. He's only 15, 16. He's been in and around the elite academy environment. So he's ultra competitive. He's a very good young goalkeeper. Bit of a loose cannon as a goalkeeper in terms of personality as well, like some of them are. You've only got to look at the top end at Jordan Pickford. And, you know, sometimes they are so highly strung and whatever. They're going to lose their emotions from time to time. But again, the way we receive that and then how we connect with that young person is such an important thing. And what you said there, so about talking as well, look, I, I believe, and I've had to learn this, the first 10 years, I think I was getting it massively wrong. I probably still do quite a bit, but we've got two eyes, two ears and one mouth for a reason, because I think 80% of the time we should be watching, we should be listening. Even when they think we're not listening, when you turn your back to a game of football, we should be eavesdropping sometimes on what the players are saying, how they're saying it to each other. And then, you know, we've got to process all that and then choose our words sensibly and correctly. And like I say, keep it on task. Is it to do with concepts? Is it to do with the content of what we've been working on? And just just be thoughtful with our, with our words. Because like I say, I could have, I've been in times in the past where I've had emotional reactions from players and then, I'm a bit emotional myself. I've gone head to head with players. I'll be honest. I've had a lad in a college program for two years before where I was going head to head, like, like two rams butting because he's having an emotional reaction. I'm having an emotional reaction and no one's getting anywhere. There is no connecting the message that I want them to pick up. They're not learning. And it weren't until that young person was about 22 years old. And we bumped into each other once um, in a car park over at match day sports center in Wadham Lodge that that young person said to me, Glenn, we was always in a confrontation, weren't we? And I said, yeah, you're right. And I said to him, I don't want to say his name, but I said to him, and, and he was close to signing at Spurs at 14, 15. He ended up coming out of college. Program. I said to him, I wasted a hell of a lot of, a lot of your time, didn't I? And he said, no, do you know what, Glenn? I learned a lot about myself. I've, I've learned to not be as confrontational. And I said, I have as well. We kind of shook hands and said, thanks or whatever. Do you know what I mean? But sometimes you're even making them mistakes because you go emotionally with stuff. Do you know what I mean? And, Again, what I learned from that is whatever message I was trying to get across as a coach for two years, whether there was a conflict of personalities or just a mis, there was a massive miscommunication when we're talking about miscommunication because the message didn't get across. But um, I'm mindful of stuff myself. I look back at situations that, you know, my communication did let me down, no doubt about it. And I just try and learn from them previous experiences to, to hopefully when I'm, when I come across the next really big personality kind of, challenging player i hopefully will respond in a better way next time so i think it's it's just important that we we learn from our own experiences as well in the past well, it was a bit like how we talked about the last show wasn't it about you know the maverick you know dealing with the maverick you know those those personalities like you say you know confrontation those players just like <clears throat> how are you going to do that you know do i you know like i say i'm going to go head to head with this person or is it my saving face is it my ego do you know i got to be you know the be all am i got to be the you know the, the leader here or i can't afford to show any weakness or that sort of thing that's like they can be really challenging like i said i said you know go back to you know at least at chelsea i failed but i didn't know how to do it i just you know and everyone's did it's like really difficult so try one you try one and you know so like i say you got to learn from your experience and then and that's a challenge i suppose isn't it because you know you're communicating and understanding you know each individual and sometimes you just can't communicate effectively some players you can't communicate effectively you know they're not they're not open to whatever communication you're giving so you can you know you can try your heart out but sometimes you know it's just not, it's not gonna happen you, you mentioned you talk about emotion i think that's really interesting as well emotional communication and we get too tied up in it and i always you know i always go back to you know those the game situation and how we sort of deal with that and i remember you know, early early in my career you know being you know in a Sunday league club being in a cup final and giving like a pre-game talk and I just got too emotional I was, I was like come on lads well, uh, giving it that one and just like enough looked next thousand what have I I just completely lost in the moment there you know I was you know, I want to be calm and composed and I'm just you know ranting was you know just being like just too emotional come on get out of there get stuck in it's got this what a great opportunity blah blah and actually they needed a bit of composure and rationality and just to be a bit more effective and I was thinking about that and then you know going back as well to my early academy days you know Tottenham v Arsenal was those big like you know big derby days in academy football which was so much fun but also very easy to get lost in the emotion there you know in terms of you know they look both clubs hate each other you know in terms of like the rivalry and the even at the at that younger stage which is an academy there's such an intense you know dislike really you know, I remember going I think to, a lot of that you know, comes from parents as well, though, doesn't yeah, it? In terms well, of understanding yeah, that it's not. No, so, for example, when, clubs as well, when, mate. Uh, no, yeah. I think that I think I think that first one, you know, under those guys, you know, there was such even within the staff, you know, there was real, you know, general 
wasn't very much, you know, <laughs> many much consensus on any points. I mean, now mm. it's much more different now because I think now you got a little bit more, you know, in terms of, you know, the management. So got just general coaches there, a little bit more open, and you don't. I don't think you have that general necessity. But then I'm saying that's still rivalries, you know. But anyway, I'm going to try and get around the hours to what my point is. But then I remember, like, then when I moved on, when I became more experienced, particularly when I was at Chelsea, and then then that that derby was the Chelsea, the Arsenal. That was the big one for because mm. they, they were the two biggest academies in the in the in, the, in London, I remember trying to really communicate to the players to take the emotion out of the tie, like you said, and say, look, the parents are going to be up for it. You want to win a game that's fine, it's a real challenge. You know, we want to be the best, have the best players, be the best team, but it's just another game. Do you know what I mean? It's just mm. another game and trying to take the emotion out of it. And then, like I said, being as a coach on the sideline, you know, not being a one ranting and jiving, come on, come on, come on, trying to reflect to the players with my communication and actually, yeah, come on, we want to, we want to work, we want to hard, but you, you don't want to ever lose your, your sort of <laughs> composure, become yeah. irrational because then, you know, you're not playing the way. You're not going to just start putting in a mixer because you're desperate to win, if that makes yeah. sense. And again, that's the ultimate test. And it's so again, I, in the first two or three games at this seven aside tournament the other day, that was completely different to the last two or three games when, when people were trying to challenge for, oh, we're in semi-finals and the final. And then emotions took control and coach behaviour started to change and players' behaviour starts to change. And it goes back to that thing again about how we communicate. So we interact with our head, our heart and our gut. And the gut thing's important there sort of as well that people don't talk about enough. So yes, sometimes we are really logical and we engage that part of our brain and it's very rational response and we say the correct thing and you feel proud of yourself thinking, you know, I dealt with that. You know, there's a hurricane going on, but I was in the eye of the storm, nice and calm, like almost going to like, I call it matrix mode. You know, when you can slow everything down, like that temperament, like a Berbatov has got. And to be honest, like a Wenger had, like, I know he lost it a few times. I know he lost it. And so he's an interesting one, Wenger. He would lose his rag and really lose it, wouldn't he? You know, the whole pushing with, was it Alan Pardew on the side? And he's, He's been in confrontations, hasn't he? But then a lot yeah. of the time, so he would go proper laissez-faire, wouldn't he? Sit up there, just biggest trouble we had in the game was doing his zip up on his jacket and he'd let his players get on with it. And the feistiness would come out. I quite like when it's over-emotional. I really do. So I love them ones like you said there. We've all lost ourselves at times, believe me. Any coach that says they haven't, they're, they're just lying if they've been coaching a long time. But that ultimate test of the best thing about Tottenham, Arsenal and Chelsea, academy age group sort, and I love them games, is... One, all right, the, the parents overplay it and they call it a North London derby. And I'm like, well, they're never gonna, not playing North London derby unless they're playing for the first team. Yes, they're playing for Arsenal, Chelsea and Tottenham under 10s and under 9s. But the best thing about it was the ferocity of the competition. Anyone that's not been in an academy environment there, if, they, if you could bottle up how ferociously competitive young children are, you don't need to stoke that up as coaches. Do you know what I mean? You don't. If you go to a London Cup final the weekend, the under 16s, you know, I think Ryan FC won the under 16 Cup. But I know if you go to a London Cup final with under 16s, you don't need to stoke that up. It's going to be ferociously competitive and children want to win. And it's a great thing culturally in this country that we push people to want to win. But it's just how we manage it, isn't it? That's the ultimate thing. How do we manage it? And I think a lot of the stuff, when you lose your emotion, I think sometimes you've got to go to your gut. Do you know what I mean? You, you, if you go with your gut instinct, and a lot of that is based on previous experience, you can only get intuition and instinct from a library of thousands and thousands of games and or hundreds of games and making experiences and learning from it. And then you just go with your gut instinct. Sometimes so that gut instinct is, I need to shout. I need to raise my voice and project myself a little bit more than normal. And sometimes it is, do you know what? I maybe need to chuck a little grenade in there and provoke a little question out of them and let them go and sort themselves out. But um yeah, it's fascinating that whole that whole battle that goes on, and it's all between our heads, our heart, and our and our gut instinct of what to say and and when to say. But I love watching them cup finals. I, I think I think that, like you've said before, loads of times, the competitive cauldron element that affects yeah. our communication so much and our behaviour, just our, our general behaviour. But what about what about communication during, for example, half time to match day? I, I sort of towards you know quite a few years ago I started to actually then think about. You know, sort of how my how my how I was relaying messages during the half time. So then what I tried to do then was actually flip it back into the players a bit more. So I'd do more like, right, what do you how do you think it's going? What do you think? One to player, one player, one player, to try and get some feedback from all the players in terms of what their thoughts were. And then what I try and do is thinking about again how to effectively, you know, get something across and bearing in mind, you know, the attention span of kids and stuff, just try and say, right, okay, 
one target for you, one thing for you, okay, one thing for you, one thing for you, one thing for you. Maybe just have like a team goal and then say each player, okay, well done, Rex. And now think about that, maybe one player banks and one challenge each almost. So you're not overburdening. I know like, you know, some people are big fans of like, you have so many targets for players. You've got three or four targets. You've got three or four targets. You know, you've got, you know, you want hundreds of targets for each game because you're on players will be slimming it down a bit more and trim it down rather. You know, one, okay, one poor thing, great after this, bang, think about that, or, you know, that sort of thing. What's, what's your thoughts about, you know, half-time communication generally and how do you approach it? Yeah, it's interesting. When I think I heard this um, with, with a teaching thing somewhere, so it was a teacher or, or someone that been in teaching. You know that whole thing, whole thing about questions? Pose, pause, pounce and bounce i think i've got it right so you, a question gets posed i like, you pose a question and i like what you said there so and I, I like to do that as well i like especially with the young ones let the, i always like to go let the players give their feedback first because if the two or three things i don't like to do more than two or three things because when emotions involved you know what it's like so it's like the whole team talk at the end of the game 90 percent of them are pointless and the, the players are so over emotional winning or losing they're not going to really absorb anything so i think being short and sharp but when they're when you have posed the question how do we think it's going, or you catch someone so if you put it out there like you just did so okay players what's your thoughts if there's two or three things that you know absolutely we need to work on we've got to work on getting a bit tighter with our marking or just, just the basic quality of our passing. If you, if one of your players throw that out there, pounce on it. So then it doesn't look like it's coming from you. Give them that empowerment. Pouncing. Okay. Yeah. Joey, that's a brilliant point. Our passing was really loose. And then just pause and, and, and bounce it around the group. Okay. What's everyone else's thoughts? And then you might get your goalkeeper saying, yeah, you know what? I was trying to improve my passing, but no one's available. I need you to move for me guys. And then you almost need to just, just keep, keep them flames of that conversation going. And then before you know it, they've done their own little five-minute team talk. But I think it's really important at the end of that, that as a coach, you give real clear, concise things. Okay, brilliant. Let's remember, here's the focus. Can we get a little bit tighter with our 1v1 contact defending? Can we be a little bit tighter with our passing? You know, be a bit more accurate. And remember what um, Joey and Gold just said. Come on, guys, when he's got the ball in his hands, you've got to move for him. You've got to be available. So can we work a little bit more at our movement? So I think even if you let the questions and, and, and the conversation go out to the group, I think it's really important as they step back out at halftime, they go with two or three really key learning points or whatever you want to call them, focuses for the next half. But like you say, so don't, I, one thing I say definitely don't do, and I'm saying definitely, and I've 100% been guilty of it, don't overdo it. Don't drown them in information. Half time is not the time to drown them in information. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, interesting. And what about what about so like you know the other you know big elephant in the room? Parents, you know, we've all experienced those parents in academy football. We're both one of them be, as well. Yeah, <laughs> but you know you know what I mean. But that you know the the cliche overbearing parent or the trouble on the side. And what's what's your thoughts on basic communication with parents and? advice for coaches and advice for parents as well in terms of communicating with their children? I think it's one of the most important things. So, and I can say that from a grassroots point of view, having been at a club, um, loads of different grassroots clubs where, where when, when I see the best functioning in terms of having great, it almost feels like a family, doesn't it? When you go to a grassroots club, you almost you want to be a part of it. It feels like a family. You know, everyone at every age knows each other. They do like the seven-a-side tournaments with the whole barbecue and a big event at the end of the year. It becomes like a family. And it feels the same with, with academies as well. When you've got that kind of family feel, I think there's a massive positive going on with communication. I'll give, you know, Spurs, for example, I can only speak for us who've been there. I've been there quite a while. You know, the communication with parents, I, I thought in terms of general was top drawer, even in terms of opening opening the doors, let them come in and see, and then doing presentations at the beginning of the year. Okay, so yeah, guys, this is our philosophy. This is what we believe in. This is what we're trying to, this is how and what we're trying to educate your, your son on. This is the expectations in terms of behaviour. I think with stuff like that, that's where you have to be very, these are the non-negotiables. And these are the stuff where, do you know what, we're going to go wrong. Um, but then once you've set out the guidelines, the ongoing communication is the hard stuff. So knowing when to pull a parent in the car park. And because sometimes you've got to deal with things straight away. If you leave things to manifest. So if you've got a game of football on a Sunday and, you know, it's been a really competitive game, whatever, build it up. London Cup semi-final. Parents have lost themselves in the emotion as well, like we all do. Sometimes you've got to deal with that there and then. Sometimes you've got to do it pitch side. So I had someone when I was doing under nice team over at once did flats. I'm not kidding, under under 11, sorry. 
his parent turned up on a Sunday with a, I'm not joking, like 11 o'clock, with a can of Fosters in his hand and, and a joint in the other end, right? And that's the most extreme. And I'm like, well, I've got to go and challenge. I was a young coach. I was only about 21 myself, 2021. 20, and I've got to, I can't leave that. It's not something that I can leave. I really can't because I'd be irresponsible with my duties to the young people. I had to go over to him and have a little bit of an uncomfortable conversation. Now, listen, I'm not saying you can't drink and I'm not telling you, you know, I'm not telling you don't smoke what you're smoking, but can't do it here. And it, that could have gone anywhere. Do you know what I mean? But fortunately, they respected me. And, and that is the most extreme. You ain't going to get that all the time. But it's a grassroots pick at the end. It's a public park. People walking by. Do you know what I mean? You're going to have yeah. all sorts of stuff to deal with. But then you've had parents completely losing their self where they're almost on the pitch. And again, if you don't confront this stuff, you know, you've got to be diplomatic. You've got to be tactful. But if you don't confront that stuff there and then, you could have a much bigger conversation. You know, there's been loads of stories out there of parents fighting on the sidelines. And I think the part that we play as the responsible one and the leaders of the group and and how we interact and, and challenge that behaviour can diffuse most problems before they even start. And I think it's the same every session, so in every game. You know, if you feel like your parents have got out of hand and they've crossed the line that you've already put in the sand or they've gone against your code of conduct, you know, we've got to be brave enough to challenge it and we've got to know how to challenge it and in, in, a, in a very respectful way. Because if you lose the parent, you lose the child. Do you know what I mean? They could just go, the parent is king at the end of the day. If they say, well, I'm not playing for your football club, I'm going. So it's that relationship with parents is absolutely crucial to, to get that right. And, and, and how we're saying things and when we're saying it is a, it's a big one, mate. And it's, there's, no, there's no right answer, is there? So it's like going back to the culture thing, isn't it? Creating a culture at the club, saying, okay, let's say what are the norms and values what the standards that we've done. I, I remember going to you know, one club in particular, I won't mention it, you know, when it was a real tight pitch, you know, playing under knife football and the parents were literally, you know, two yards behind you and they were literally on you. On the mm. kiss, you almost screaming. And it was, you know, big London derby. And it's just like, whoa, how, what, what intimidating envi uh, in, you know, environment that was, particularly for the players. I thought, actually, you know, that's a good challenge for the players. You know, because you've got to adapt to it. <clears throat> the thing about that, you know, shouting, come on, stick it, you know, and coaching and that sort of thing. You know, so I suppose, you know, different clubs approach it a different way. Um, and I've, I've been, at all, you know, all the clubs have been, been at, you know, where parents have been saying, look, you can't come in anymore. You know, I don't, you know, in all due respect, you know, you're, you've got a very talented young player, but you know, unfortunately your, your behaviour and touchline is not acceptable. You've got to, you know, mm. and, and being, almost being banned from it and you've got to be brave enough to say, you know, no, no, no players bigger than the club. Uh, but also, what's your thoughts? You know, that one, you know, that always, you know, in terms of your, you know, as a parent listening, you know, you know, if you're a parent of a very young, talented footballer, a girl or a boy, you know, that, that old one about, you know, how, what's the most effective way to communicate with that, that player? You know, especially that one, you know, in the car on the way back home, maybe they've yeah. not had the... You know, we've all been there, heard that, you know, players are getting absolutely battered by their parents, you know, for, well, you know, it didn't do well. I mean, I've actually, you know, this bobblehead where actual physical violence is threatened you know you know but you know you better do this you better do that or you know shocking but i mean you know that's as you say you know, there's many different sorts of parents out there what's your advice to any parent out there in terms of the most effective way to communicate with a child particularly in that you know after a you know bad bad uh, result or performance well a couple of bits of advice i don't think there's a set way so but a couple of bits of advice would be 100 is first of Will detach your ego. Remember that your child is not a ref your child's performance on a football pitch in terms of football is not a reflection on who you are as a parent. Unless you're an elite level coach and you're coaching your child, then it's not a reflection because if the child fails in the science class or maths class, you don't see parents getting overly involved and taking some kind of responsibility. Or, or, but in terms of behavior, I'd say this to parents, if your child fouls with their behavior and punches another child in the face on a football pitch, that is absolutely a reflection on you as parents. And I will say the same about me as a parent. If my daughter, you know, develops bullying or, or she becomes a bully or she chooses violence over whatever the other choice is, you know, if I'm not looking at myself as a parent, I don't think I'm parenting correctly. Do you know what I mean? So, so I would say in terms of the football side of it, try and detach yourself and let your coaches coach. And obviously, if you are a football person, you coach. Again, you know, that's just about the skill of the coach. But if it's just about parenting and not coaching, just be a parent. Just be as supportive as possible and just try and understand that they're trying to learn something that's quite difficult. There's already enough pressure around them. And be as supporting and encouraging as possible. And sometimes, so 
just ask questions. Just ask questions on the way. Instead of giving loads of instructions, should have done this, should have done that. How was your game today? What, what The usual stuff we do. What went well? Okay, brilliant. Well done. Keep that going. What do you think you could do better? And if you just ask your son or child that question, you know, kids are quite bright at all levels. So, you know, if you go and have a chat with a, a young kid at grassroots that's passionate about football, they've got a strong opinion on football. If you have a, you know, that's not just academy or grassroots. Not I mean, kids just, if they love football, they'll have a strong opinion. Let them express themselves. And then if you want to give them advice, they've had a tough day, you know, some of the best advice would be, okay, we'll go again tomorrow. Let's move on. Let's try and move on as quick as we can. It's not the end of the world. And I think that that's a huge part parents play. So when it dealing that car journey home, you know, the cliche car journey home or the car park, you know, how you respond as an adult is more important than your child's emotional childlike response. Because just one thing I want to say, so another book I read is about the psychology of people, right? And the dynamics. And you've got child, adult and parent, right? And, I, and I'm not an expert in psychology, but I've read this little bit on it. And so, so you've got a response. It's an emotional, psychological response. You can have two children who have adult responses. So it's adult to adult interactions. And that is the best thing you'll ever see. You know, I think someone like Ollie, Ollie Skip, for example, saw who was always emotionally quite intelligent. And most of the times he would respond, he would respond like an adult. If you look at some professional footballers, like, I don't know, but I can't think of any, I don't really want to. Tennis, but Suarez, you know, Suarez with his bike. There you go. So like perfect, mate. So Suarez, for me, you've got an, he's an adult, but in terms of his psychological and emotional responses, he's responding as a child. You know, biting someone on the shoulder is like watching a four or five, four or five-year-old child. That's what you would expect a three or four-year-old child that hasn't learned about behavior. So, regardless of your age, you're always going to respond in a certain way. And this is the interesting thing where I learned about that dynamic is when you get so that lad I said in the car park saw. Um, that I met at Wadham Lodge four years later, we was having for two years, in my opinion, by what I understand in psychology, we was having a child-to-child response. Do you know what I mean? There was a, a conflicting situation that we couldn't resolve, and we're just going at it like children and butting heads like rams. If you get, sometimes you need a, a parent-to-child response. So if the child's poorly behaved, in no uncertain terms, as a coach, you have to play the role of the parent. Correct the behaviour, let them know what's next. This is what I expect from you. Please change your behavior. Okay, you do you understand, Johnny, didn't you? I'm not saying I'm not saying you're a clown, but I think you were just acting like a clown. Stop playing up. Please behave like this. Blah, 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 blah. And then the magic thing is, Saul, is as adults. So if so when I challenge that parent about the fosters on the side, luckily I got an adult to adult response. Do you know what I mean? Now for I'd done the adult thing to go and challenge him. Fortunately, I took a deep breath because I remember the feeling at the time and how nervous I was. He had an adult response and then you got success. So I think it's about understanding that dynamic. Do you know what I mean? And parent, parent to parent, um, parent to child. Yes, you have to talk to them as if they're a child sometimes. Um, parent to parent or adult to adult. And if you get the whole dynamic of two children in terms of emotional behaviour, that's when I think we've got we've got problems. So I think we've got to be the adult about it as much as possible. I think mindfulness comes into as well. Something I've been doing practicing a lot of mindfulness in the last few years, like meditation, but general mindfulness in terms of you know reflecting and being present, you know, and then mm. and that's a real big important word. So when you do get into that situation, understanding, you know, hang on, how was my reaction? Like, you know, am I being a bit irrational? You know, obviously I've been like, you know, practicing a bit of Buddhism for several years as well. There's, you know, things about that, about understanding, like, you know, in terms of, you know, we're having a confrontation here, understanding, you know, what they're going through as well, what's their what's their outlook you know why are they challenging me what what's what's going through their mind i think that's really mm. important as well and just being having that presence of mind thinking okay yeah i had this situation the other day like a bit of a disagreement with someone i was like, hang on why am i you know why am i reacting like that and i'm I thought, actually i'm tired i haven't slept well i'm a bit stressed mm. out i'm acting a little yeah. bit irrationally here I've, I've bitten why have i bitten there you know and i think that's really important as well and that comes from being you know being practices come from practice as well and developing yourself as an individual i think that's really important you know both going off a bit of topic there but i think that's really really powerful and i've talked about parents the last one i think with parents that old again that old cliche then you know when people say you know if you were you know for example you know if you were going into watching a violin lesson you know would you be shouting instructions on the side exactly to yeah overall the coach that's sort of saying you remember you know coaches are 
are the, the, the professionals. They're there for a reason. You know, they're there. They're the ones getting paid to do it. What would your last bit of advice be? You know, final takeaway for coaches or parents or that sort of thing in terms of the communication? Um, <clears throat> yeah, a couple of things. I'll pose you a, 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 a few questions, to be honest, because I think, again, so we was getting quite deep for that about mindfulness. And I'd say that whole mindfulness thing, that's about empathy, isn't it? And trying to just understand what put yourself in the young person's shoes whether it's your player or your son or daughter try and have as much empathy as possible because not always sympathy so if a kid has a tantrum i don't think it helps to be sympathetic but empathetic and understanding that actually it's hard being a child especially in the, the modern world give them a break especially the last two years my god we've all been locked up and stuff so understand that it's going to go wrong sometimes and it's our job to help them through it but the takeaway messages and the questions would be so if i'm honest is how much are you consciously working on communication the verbal the non-verbal so you you know we never really got into the game stuff so about communicating with the ball and you know we never got into the nitty-gritty of communication non-verbal in a game a lot of this stuff's been about behavior so how much are you consciously playing a part in setting the tone for communication in your sessions are you talking to your players the way you want your players to talk to each other how much are you actually looking at developing your communication you know being you know i think i'm becoming a, a bit more of an attentive listener because you can sometimes say you're listening but you're not really hearing stuff so how much are we working at our listening how much are we working at our observations? What are we looking at? Because if we're, if we're not watching for the behaviour, we're not going to be able to correct the behaviour or, or if we're not watching things correctly. And then the way we talk, you know, just, just be mindful, guys, as coaches, I would say, is every single word that you put out there, kids are listening to. And, they, and they're listening when they think you're not even listening. They're, they're paying attention and they're watching every grimace on your face. They're, they're watching every change of tone in your voice. And kids are ultra sensitive to tone, like you said earlier, Saul. So just be mindful that they're always listening. So before you speak, sometimes take two or three seconds to get clarity in your mind before you you put that message out there if you can because i know we've spoke a lot about emotion today and the last thing i would say is and i think it would be right up there with you know you've got the seven c's of communication and if you keep going with it you can do 15 c's but the biggest one the biggest two i would say so and i would say takeaway is consistency you said it right at the top consistency yeah, when you get a consistent footballing philosophy or when you get a consistent code of conduct or call it what you like, but this is the behaviour expectations, you, you really got a good chance of succeeding. Consistency amongst the adults, consistency amongst the parents' behaviour on the sideline, consistency with the way your players interact. And the last thing would be is clarity. If you're unsure, if you're unsure if a parent received the message correctly, or if you're unsure if the child that you had to challenge his behavior in a session didn't understand or took it the wrong way and was a bit sensitive and now they don't like you or oh, I hate the coach because we've all been there. My 14-year-old daughter the other day said, oh, I hate you. And about two hours later, I had to put my arm around her and said, do you still hate me, darling? And she said, no, daddy, I just hated you in the moment, right? So we've all been there. Just go back to them and ask. The next session, make sure you go back to and say, okay, how are you feeling about what we spoke about the other day? So you can all get clarity and you can move on from, from a difficult situation. So, yeah, sorry, so long-winded answer, but consistency yeah. and clarity would be the two big ones for me in terms of being, being good with your communication. Yeah, and for me, there's some great points there, mate, again. So just for me, that like, there's, there's also that great like, cliche of that saying is that, you know, if you're not happy with the end result – think about the way you've been delivering the message something along those lines so for example yeah. particularly with the youngest players you know if you're looking at your, your young players in the foundation phase and they're not playing the way you want to play think about hang on you know you might want to be battering them or get into them saying well maybe look inwards first like i said they've been mindful reflective thinking well maybe you know the messages that i've been giving them have aren't effective or they obviously aren't effective aren't they mm. and putting it back on yourself take ownership of those young children trying their best, you know, maybe what I've been giving them hasn't been up to scratch. Maybe what I've been giving them hasn't been enough, you know, rather than, you know, putting the onus on them saying, you're letting me down saying, well, actually, maybe I've let you down. Maybe mm -hmm. I haven't, you know, maybe the way I'm communicating those messages hasn't been effective. But listen, Glenn, as always, thanks again. Funny, isn't it? These chats are just go, don't they? <laughs> they just yeah, have just their own. Little, uh, 
they're autonomous and they go off. It's been again. And again, so one thing one thing I would say, um, so is again, you know, whether you get really erudite and explosive, you can dig into this stuff because communication. One thing we never spoke about, and again, I would encourage so when you're experiencing it yourself firsthand in Thailand, and you know, I'm trying to learn Spanish still, languages, guys. If you want to get ahead in your career, please start developing other languages because culturally, us as English people, you know. We're probably not as open to it as as, as others, and you know, upskill your languages. Try and learn French, German, or whatever, because that is a huge, huge thing. Whether you're at Premier League level or grassroots level, you know, it, it helps us massively. So, yeah, lovely, Glenn. Cheers, pal. Have a good one. I'll see you next week. Cheers, mate. Welcome to the Coaching Family Soccer Coaching Podcast. A podcast for soccer coaches from grassroots to the pro game. Soccer coaches who love the game, love coaching and want to get better. Join our community on Twitter at Coaching Family.